This is the Plan Simple Podcast. The one for you, my dear, the woman who wears so many hats. We both know how many people in your life benefit when you're at your best. What would happen if you were to ditch overwhelm and wear all those hats with ease? I'm going to share how simple this can be. We will dive into how to make health, family, home, spirituality, productivity, and entrepreneurship more easeful. Incredible friends and guests will come by for inspirational conversations, valuable shares, and real strategies so you can plan for your best life. My name is Mia Moran. I'm a mother of three, a wife, an entrepreneur, a coach, and your host. I wear a lot of hats, and I am committed to leading a balanced life and sharing all that I have learned and am learning with you. You're ready? Let's flow. Hey, welcome to this episode of the Plan Simple Podcast. I'm so excited for you to meet our guest today. She is somebody who's been really, really important in my life, in my own development. She was my coach for a while, many years ago. She's the person who really helped me have confidence to tell a piece of my story when I was traveling across the country on a book tour and not so comfortable being on stage in front of hundreds of people. And Lex was really helpful in in helping me do that and really share a story um, that was helpful to the folks in the audience. So thank you, Lex, for that, because here I am now on the podcast, I feel like speaking all the time. So I have noticed in Flow 365 and conversations that I have with you all on email um, or on social media that sometimes we have these goals or these desires or these things that we're wanting to bring into our lives and it's hard to speak up for ourselves. So we might have this list of things that we're wanting to do um, around taking care of our body or Um, being seen in a different way at work or doing something different with our business or in our relationship at home. And there's a series of things that are obvious steps. And part of it, though, might include speaking up for ourselves. So I guess my question for you is, do you speak up for yourself? And whether the answer is yes or no, Are you speaking up around issues that really matter to you? Are you able to communicate when something really matters? So this conversation with Lex is a little bit different than probably she usually has and than our last conversation. So if you want to learn all about speaking as an entrepreneur, definitely go back and listen to the last conversation too. But this one's going to be really useful because we're talking about being able to walk into any conversation and unapologetically speak up for yourself and any ideas or issues that matter to you. Now we're living in a pretty, there's a lot of ideas kind of time right now. And some of you might even have people in your households with different ideas, probably definitely in your community and sometimes in our families and our, in our greater families. And so everything that Lex is going to share today is going to be so, so helpful. I have personally noticed 
that sometimes my ability to speak up really seems selective. Like I can advocate for my kids, but I might struggle speaking up for myself around myself around money or I can speak up for my business, but I don't necessarily feel like I could speak up in some relationship. So just notice where it is that you feel like you can speak up. I've noticed just in working with so many women that a lot of times we lose our voice in our marriage. Um, we can lose our voice with with our a boss or with a client who's um you know, we're not in, in good relationship at the moment. So just notice where this comes up for you. Where are you not communicating? Maybe it's with your own parents or with a certain family member or with your kid's school. Like, where are you losing your voice? And Lex and I are really going to get into why this is happening and how you can find your voice, more importantly, in literally any situation. So whether that's it is hard for you to speak up for your kids or at work or in your marriage. Like we're going to talk through all of that. And I asked Lex to be on today. Like she has the most um, amazing bio, which I will read to you in one minute, but I asked her on based on what I know is going on and has been going on in her personal life because she very, very beautifully has spoken up around so many issues that, you know, are going on in our, on our crazy country. Um, and she also has, I've watched her speak up for herself and her body um, in not such great circumstances. So for all those reasons, and the fact that she teaches this all the time um, in, in work and entrepreneur situations, I'm just so excited for her to be the one talking us through this. So let me read you her official bio, and then I have one announcement, and then we're going to get her on, okay? So Alexia is a sought-after advisor to executives, senior leadership teams, entrepreneurs, coaches, and consultants who want to speak with an unshakable presence, sell their ideas, navigate daring conversations, develop high-performing teams, advance their thought leadership, and make a lasting positive social impact. Alexia has supported thousands of leaders and speakers throughout her Step Into Your Moxie corporate offerings, online trainings, live events, mastermind, and certification programs. And I got to go through one of those many moons ago when I was on my book tour, and it was so helpful. But again, we're going to be talking entrepreneurship today, but also much of this is going to be so useful for just the next conversation you have with your spouse. All right? So one announcement is, and I'm thinking about it as I'm doing this intro because I just finished creating content over in our community area of Flow 365. So it's been really fun because we're starting to dive deeper into every time we have a podcast, we're really diving deep into conversation and how we're implementing all the things we learn because really Flow 365 isn't about learning more. It's about implementing. It's about taking anything you hear, whether it's around here or in your life and putting it into practice, really implementing it or letting it go, but not ruminating, not getting stuck, not being wishy-washy, not getting an overwhelm. None of that. We, I mean, we all experience that from time to time and that's why we have this and we should, we show up and we move through it. Um, 
but we don't get stuck there anymore. That's what Flow 365 is really about. And so I just want you to know we're, we're shifting things around. Um, we're trying to make it so that it really makes sense um, for you all to enter into Flow 365 on a monthly basis when you're really feeling like, you know what? There's this thing I want to do. Um, I'm really wanting to take care of my body at a different level. I'm really wanting to step into motherhood in a different way. I'm really wanting to grow this company that I've been really, you know, dabbling in, but I, I'm ready to, I'm ready to grow this business. Um, or I'm ready to declutter the house. And for some reason, it's been three years and I just can't figure out how to do it. Whatever it is, so many different reasons. Lately, we've had some, I'm ready to retire. I'm ready to change what I'm doing. I'm ready to change careers. But there's this big thing that your, your heart is calling you toward and you know that you're ready. Like there's something in you that knows that you're ready. And yet every week it feels like, ugh, like there's never time. I can never make space for this. That's what we do in flow. We make space for what matters. Um, and we do this in a whole variety of ways. So if you're interested, if you want to really lean into this life that has been sort of whispering itself in your ear for a while now, come get on the wait list. And once you sign up to be on the wait list, we will get in dialogue. We will explain next steps. We will explain options. Um, we will ask you questions about you. And each month, um, we will let in a handful of people um, as a group, and we will really um, nurture you and help you frame your next year starting then. And I'm I'm so excited that we're moving into this model and we're going to be able to keep wel welcoming people in um, in a way that really makes sense. So if you're listening to this and you're like, oh my gosh, I really, really am needing help just even knowing what I want and then making a plan to get there and then much less like, how do I show up for it? All of that. We do all of that. We do a lot together. <laughs> flow. We even have four co-working sessions a day so that literally you don't have to do any of the hard things alone. So come get on the wait list if that speaks to you, and then we will help you take the next steps. And again, at this point, I think we have about four more slots. I'm saying that as I record this. So depending on when you listen to this, but we will, we'll have a few slots each month. And at the end of every month, um, we'll let some people in. So the way to know if you can get in right now is to go get on that wait list. And again, then we can be in dialogue with you. So let's talk about speaking up. All right. It's important. And I can't wait for you to learn from Lex. So with no further ado, let's get Lex on the show. Hello, Lex. Welcome to the Plan Simple Podcast. Thanks for having me, friend. It's been a while. Oh my gosh. I know. So Lex has been on, you've been on the podcast before. We, we we're going to talk about a slightly different topic today, although we're still going to tap into your amazing expertise. Um, I'm so excited to have you here. And I'm um, looking forward to this as well. Yeah, so good. All right. So I asked you to come back on because you've been talking a lot lately. Um, about speaking up. And I have noticed on many calls, coaching calls, that this is something that comes up quite a lot um, for women is, and, and it's interesting because 
you know, it's, it's a coaching call. So, and we're always talking about planning. So very often it shows up as like, I need to go do X, Y, and Z and like the speaking up part or the courage to like, or gaining the courage to speak up isn't part of that. And it's like, wait, 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 no, 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 no. Like you don't have to do all those things. You just might have to speak up. So I'm so excited that we're talking about this and will you just, will you tell us a little bit about what you even mean when you, when you're talking about speaking up, like, what does that mean to you? To me, it's synonymous with what I call stepping into your moxie, which means you possess a mindset and skill set to be able to walk into any room, into any conversation and onto any stage and unapologetically speak up for yourself and the ideas and issues that matter to you, to your family, to your company, and be able to call people to take action. And I love that we're having this conversation holistically because one of the things I'll hear from my own coaching clients is I can speak up for my business, but I can't speak up in my marriage. Or I can speak up in, you know, business and at home. But when I have to advocate for my children at school, I feel like I'm using my voice. So while the processes might look remarkably similar from context to context, I just want to lay it out there that there might be arenas where you feel like you could be having this podcast interview and leading it because you're so comfortable speaking up. And then there can be others where you're like, oh my God, where did my voice go? And that that's totally normal. Yes. A hundred percent. All right. So is there like an underlying reason in the moments where we really feel like we've lost our voice? Is there like so, some commonality of that? Or is that situational? It's both. <laughs> and what I mean by that is when we think about speaking up, most of us will usually think of it as some fusion of confidence and competence. Like I feel comfortable or I'm uncomfortable, but like, I'm going to harness courage from somewhere to do it. Plus I know what to say, but there's actually a lot of different tiers that go into vocal empowerment because this has been my passion professionally and personally for a lot of years. And we've created really a triangle of all these different components that need to be in play. So before I go into them, what I would say is Usually it means at least one of those things is not happening in a particular moment. That's why things are a little bit wonky. At the base is our own conversations with ourselves, our own inner voice. And we can do tons of inner voice work, but in a moment of speaking up, we might go back into an old story that's like, you stink, Lex, you're not confident, people are going to laugh at you. And so in that moment, that's what's going wrong. One of the other components is physiological sensation. So actually knowing how within our nervous systems to be present with that discomfort that is inevitably coming up. And that takes tons of work, but no matter how much work we've done to learn how to breathe and play nicely, sometimes we can just have sensation overload. And so therefore that's where things get funky. Another layer to speaking up is messaging. And for a lot of people, we might have ruminated (laughs) and thought about the situation we're going into, but we haven't actually practiced out loud what we're going to say. So in that moment, when we actually have to open our mouth and produce sound, nothing comes out. Another component is presence. So being able to use our bodies, whether we're having a tricky conversation face-to-face or online, And having alignment between what our bodies are doing and the words, that's another area where things can get funky. 
And last, but certainly not least, is actually moving people to take action. So sometimes we've actually spoken up, we've said what we want to say, and it feels like nothing has changed or we have to have the same conversation over and over again. And sometimes it's because we were really clear about our feelings and what we're entitled to, but we weren't specific about how we wanted things to adjust as a result of what we've just said. So I realize that's a lot. That's sort of like taking the theory and practice of what I do and teach people over months and months and months and put it into a two-minute-ish two answer. But for anybody who's listening who feels like their relationship to their voice is messy, hopefully those five things can be something you can come back to and check in with inner voice, physiological sensation, messaging, presence, and ultimately moving people to take action. I love that. I have to say, I will laugh about this, but in terms of my voice at work, Lex was somebody who worked with me a lot right after I wrote my book and was trying, it was talking around the country. And um, one day I'll never forget. You were like, wait, you didn't, you haven't practiced. Like you haven't said this out loud. And I was just like, you know, it was like a kid who didn't hand in her homework, but I like literally didn't even know that I was supposed, like, it was so interesting. Like, I didn't even know that was a thing, you know, like I just thought that I should know, like, I just had this thought that if I like was this passionate about something, I should be able to open my mouth and it should come out just as I wrote it. And I was like practice. And it's funny because I have a daughter in theater, but like somehow, like I didn't put the things together that like you actually sometimes have to be prepared. <laughs> well, and it's funny because depending on how you're wired, I find most people err on the side of perfectionism or just ship it, just wing it yep. habits. And the perfectionists might know that they're supposed to practice, but they practice by writing everything down and memorizing it and saying it in their head 30 times. It becomes this exercise in mastery rather than in connection with the person or the people they're speaking with. Right. To just ship it, just wing it, folks, which I would say, you know, you self-disclosed. Yes, <laughs> that's 100% me. <laughs> the side that you lean on, the tricky thing there is that for folks who identify in that camp, you might be able to walk into any room, onto any stage in any conversation and speak up. You may not be having the impact that you want because you're relying on charisma and content knowledge and yeah. connection, but that moving people to take action piece often doesn't happen. There may not be a structure. And so then you start to feel like, well, I was charming. People said that they really liked the content. They learned a lot, but they didn't sign up on the list or they didn't make that purchase. Yeah. They didn't follow that next step. Oh and it's well, I have to say like, it's, and like it's the same thing though. It's just the lack of role play out loud. I wish that I yeah. could tell you it's like this complicated thing, but it is that ability to say the things you want to say out loud that allows you to show up and ultimately make impact. Well, and I have to say, like, I mean, we're talking work right now, but I literally did this with my wedding vows. So like, I remember making an agreement with my, with my now husband, you know, tw we're actually about to celebrate our 20 year anniversary. So 20 oh. years ago, I know. And, um, and I remember us being like, we don't need to like write it down or practice. And I remember very distinctly that his were written down and amazing. And I thought all the thoughts in my head would just come right out and, like, that's just not quite how I'm, I'm sure I said something, but, <laughs> but maybe not the quite, uh, quite as I wanted to. So I love that. I love that. Um, yeah, that is the truth. Okay. So I wanted, I want to go a little deeper into two of those pieces. So 
the body piece. So we now in, in flow, you know, and which is my year long program, we we're, we're doing a lot of planning and we're doing a lot of follow through where we have like 94, 90 minute co-working sessions all day. Like, so we're constantly like planning and like really making sure we follow through. Um, but one of the things we added in this year was we have a nervous system practitioner come in once a month. And I just find we get, we, we can, we can make ourselves sort of really frenetic and crazy and, and not be able to keep moving forward. And so she's really helping with that. And one of the things she did this week was she showed us pictures and this is Kelly and she'll be on the show shortly, actually for everyone listening, but, um, she showed us pictures like of a forest or a canoe and she had us responding like, yes or no. And like really feeling it in our body. And it was, and then, and so like, first we got to choose and then she said yes for each of them. And then she said no for each of them. And it was really interesting to watch like what your body was willing to like, even just like, you didn't even have to say a word out loud, but when she said, um, I think it was when she was saying the yeses, I could still feel my nose, but when she said the no, I couldn't. Like I couldn't still feel the yeses the same way. And so it was so interesting that like how our body responds that way. And I had never done it quite in that way before. And you can see how your body could cue you to speak up or not speak up and how, like just how primal that is. Right. And it's, it was really interesting. So I would love, I don't know if you have more on that, that, that piece of the, of the body and how the body helps you speak up, but I love that piece. I could jam on this all day, but I, I know <laughs> I everybody's time. One of the simplest starting points is to ask yourself in those moments where particularly the goal is to speak up, where are you experiencing constriction? Hmm. And what I hear from a lot of women is in the knees. Really? Thighs, particularly if they're sitting down. Like even me just saying this right now, I can feel my thighs really tight. They might say the stomach is being held in. Sometimes it's in the throat. I'm hundred percent always the throat. And it's not like our bodies, it's mutually exclusive here. I mean, it could be yeah. a bunch of different places, but when you start to witness from a place of curiosity rather than judgment, most of us without trying figure out pretty quickly, oh, this is what it looks like to let go. And if you're somebody who perhaps because of trauma has lived a lot of your life outside of your body, you might need a little bit of extra permission to say it is safe for me to let go here right now. It is safe for me in my body to let go of trying to control and you can use your breath, some guided visualization, whatever tools you might have to augment that statement with actual presence and release, which is you know, a little deeper than we have time to do today. But oftentimes when somebody says, if I just stop, I'll use myself as an example, locking my knees, my voice, it's suddenly more powerful. Similarly, if it feels like I've got like a chain link fence around my heart. And I'm just using visualization and slowing down my breath. I'm bringing awareness and saying it is safe for me to open the gate. 
amazing things start to happen when it comes to speaking. So in that set, in that example, just to clarify, there's the relationship between letting go and sort of surrender to speaking up. So a lot of times in not speaking up, what we're doing is we're holding. There's constriction. There's constriction. So we might be speaking up, but behind that actual act of speaking up is our bodies resisting the message because we're terrified. And I mean, whenever I do this work with people, I'm always very clear. I've got no shortage of self-improvement things we're going to talk about, but we're not going to have this con- this conversation outside the context of social justice. Like to be clear, for a lot of us, it has not always been safe, depending on our gender, our gender identity, our race, our class, our age, our abilities to speak up. So it's natural that our bodies are going into a mode of trying to protect us if in the past we've spoken up and it hasn't been safe to do so. But if we're going to decide that speaking up is something we want to do, then the safety has to start in our bodies first and foremost. But we want to be really kind and compassionate with ourselves and ask, you know, and and look at what are the reasons why it may not feel safe for us. And usually there's multiple systemic reasons why that's happening. It's not that we just don't have enough confidence or we have imposter syndrome. Our role is only a piece of it. We want to look at it in a larger context of what are the forces that perhaps have conspired against us speaking up, whether that's for ourselves, for our children, for other populations who are marginalized. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's really powerful. I love that. Thank you. So yeah, I love, I just, I just will leave it at that, the connection to the body and speaking up. Um, So the last one is the other one that's actually really interesting to me. And I feel like as well, this moving people to action. Yeah. Moving people to action. And, you know, I would love you to speak to the entrepreneur, the business piece of it, but I'm also curious about the, you know, I'm a spouse, I'm a mother piece, like, or I'm speaking up for my health at the doctor's office. Like, I just feel like there's so many ways where this might actually be the thing that we're not doing is. Yes. And then I'm going to give you a kid example. Okay. Because for anyone who's like, I don't know if I can do this or can you give me an example? I love giving examples for my eight-year-olds because I'm always like, if she can do it, so can we as women who are a little bit older. Uh, (laughs) But first, when I say moving people to take action, I do not mean we have to put on like our snake oil salesperson coat, <laughs> if you will. What I really mean is being clear. What do we want someone to do differently as a result of what we've said? Like it can be that basic. And whether we're having a conversation with our child, our partner, uh, our own parent, somebody professionally, if we're opening our mouths to speak, usually we want them to think differently, behave differently, vote Start doing something, stop doing something. And the minute we ask that question, ideally that becomes a filter for everything we say, every story we tell, every question we ask, because if it's not serving where we hope the conversation will go by the end to move that person to take action, we might be entitled to say that thing, but it may not actually be serving us to say it out loud to that person. We might be much better served saying that to somebody in our personal life who's got our back and who's going to be an ally rather than that person. So with that said, when we ask ourselves how we can, you know, what's most likely to move them to take action for a lot of us, we err on the side of pain points because 
somewhere down the line in school or in business, we might've internalized the message, speak to the pain. But the problem is when we do that, we're often really leading with the masculine rather than asking the adjacent question, how can we speak to personal motivators? What a pleasure. And oftentimes what happens is we might have a very similar thing we're talking about, but when we seek to speak to the personal motivator, we center that person that we're trying to move to take action in a much more optimistic, healthy way, rather than perhaps creating this like fear pyramid that grows by speaking to the pain. And so I'm going to give you an example from my kiddo. I had led a live event a few weeks ago, maybe a little bit longer by the time this airs. And a lot of the women I could see in the room had this look across their faces of like, I get it in theory, but can you show me? My daughter happened to be at this event with us the whole time for a variety of reasons. (laughs) She lost childcare that we thought we had, and it was much simpler than driving her to school every day. But anyway, I digress. And she's sitting in the back of the room and she's looking so excited. She wants to model this. And I said, sure, come on up because you know, by being my daughter, we have these conversations. She's pretty good at this. So I said, what's a conversation we've had? And she said, can I do, can I ask you for more Roblox time? And for any of you who have kiddos at home, you probably know the sacredness of Roblox time for kids. And so she said, mom, I would really like an extra 30 minutes of Roblox time tonight. When I said, why is that Kaya? She said, well, You weren't expecting to have me home from school and you're trying to get ready for the event. And if you give me 30 minutes of Roblox time, rather than jumping right into bedtime routine, you could have another opportunity to role play your presentation that you're going to give tomorrow. And then my promise to you is the minute those 30 minutes are up, I will get ready for bed. You won't have to supervise and push me. And that might buy you another 15 minutes. And won't you feel so much better if you're prepared when you go into the event tomorrow? And the women were just like, oh, I got it. And I said, okay, Kaya, let's rewind. How could you have asked for your extra Roblox time? Mom, give me Roblox time. It's not fair. Wait, wait, I'm going to interrupt you for one second. Can you explain what Roblox time is? Because I don't even know what you're talking about. Yeah, Roblox is just this gaming thing. And maybe your kiddos are a little bit older, but like- for the six to like 14 year old and maybe older side. Okay. Got like it. Getting it's a thing more you do. gaming time on Roblox. Okay. okay. Got it. So when we did it the other time, she made it all about her. Like, this is not fair. You're mean. Um, and it was not very compelling. It was totally centered around pain rather than me and my personal motivators, which is feeling prepared for this event that I'm going to go into. So for most people, The things that are getting us in our way of making a decision or changing our behavior has something to do with money, something to do with time, bad or or some past experience. It feels hard and self-worth. You can talk about money in two ways. You can talk about the pain. I don't have enough of it. It's going to cost too much. Or we can talk about it from a personal motivator. This can grow your earnings. This can give you more for your vacation fund. But if we go through any of the things that we think are likely objections for someone to take action and we lead with personal motivator rather than just pain, usually we feel more comfortable because it feels more positive, but it also is more likely going to move that person to take action. 
I love that. Oh my gosh. That's good for parenting. It's good for relationships. Um, It teaches your kids to barter and negotiate in a really different way. Like my daughter knows the minute she goes from a place of entitlement or pain, like she's not getting the thing. Yeah. I like to believe that not only is she going to negotiate better with us. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. She's going to bring that into negotiations with friends and ultimately partners uh, and into professional life. Will you talk about that? Uh, will you give another example from like work? Like, so like either speaking up. Yeah. Well, just, yeah. Just like, you know, I'm at work and I'm, you know, it could be for an entrepreneur or someone in a yeah. job, like I'm going to go just, to boundaries because even though yeah. this is a professional boundary, this is something that you could definitely bring into personal boundaries at home. So Probably for, I've had my business now for 15 years and probably for 11 or 12 of those years, like boundaries with clients were really hard for me. Like I prided myself on over delivering on people's expectations. And although I wasn't somebody who worked like 60 hours a week, I was solidly working 45 to 50 and always feeling like I should check my email because somebody might need something and I could give it to them. And I remember the year when I opened the mastermind and I carved out maybe five or 10 minutes from our opening retreat to talk about what accessibility looked like outside of our coaching sessions. And I said a couple of things. One, I want you to think about how you want to be treated by your most favorite clients, like the people you're going to love to work with. And so before I give you any parameters, I want you to think about if a client did this for you, Would that make you really eager to want to coach them? Or would you slowly start to feel bitterness that would just brew inside of you? So for me, one of the things I know is that when I am in a great relationship with time, I show up so much more powerfully for you as a client. And I also know that I don't coach really well over email. Clients walk away with more questions rather than answers, because if we start to do that, usually what it's signaling is we need a coaching session to have this conversation in real time. And therefore, one of my absolute will not trespass boundaries is if it requires a conversation, we're not doing it over email. Email is designed for quick check-ins where it's a simple question with a simple answer. Any questions about that? And then it became like, this wasn't a persuasive case. It was just about setting a boundary. But in the three or four years where I've taken the time to do that proactively before working with clients, maybe once I've had to have a conversation with a client and and just refer back to that conversation. It has weeded out so much of the, this is my boundary and they're trespassing. Why don't they get it? By starting with them, having them really think about what does it look like to be treated the way that they want to be treated by clients they can't wait to show up and work with? And then move into, so what does that look like more practically? It means if it's something where we can't really do this over email because it's going to be a lot of back and forth, I'm not going to allow us to start doing it over email. I'm going to immediately say, this sounds like it's something for a coaching conversation. Let's schedule one of those. All right. So I do have a follow-up question to that. So, cause I know you do a lot of corporate work. So what happens if you like, so, so you, so just breaking that down a little bit, like you had an awareness in yourself, right. That like, 
what was happening before was too much. And so this was going to be your boundary. And then you were able to communicate it. So just to be clear with everyone, right? Like it wasn't like, like that was a real, like to me, that was, you know, I think there's a lot, a lot of times um, we can speak up based on outside influence instead of like internal. So, so I, I like, that was just a really clear example of how that was like your internal knowing that like you couldn't anymore. And that's where it came These from. are yeah. my clients. I'm yeah. not reporting to someone. Yeah. So, I want to yeah, so that's, that that's what I want. That's what I'm curious about. So I get this question quite a bit on our members who are in a job and have a boss and their time is really being, um, you know, especially in the pandemic years, like, I don't, women just were asked to do things and put in time that just wasn't, it just wasn't appropriate in, in, in many situations. And yet speaking up is so hard, even when you as the person who needs to speak up knows that you're not being treated in a way that you should be, or doing things that you think you should be doing. So in that, like in a situation when you don't match, like when the, when the power is switched, maybe a little bit. Do you have any recommendations yes. for speaking up in that situation? Really starting with the same questions we modeled before, but in this context, what's likely going on for that person or those people who are necessitating for me to speak up? What are their personal motivators here? Is it for them to feel like they can trust their team that they're delegating to? A lot of times micromanagement is coming because that person doesn't feel that sense of trust. And so if the conversation is then rooted around how the behaviors that are happening are actually preventing me from producing my best work and are preventing me from creating an environment where I feel trusted, sometimes that's a way to enter the conversation. You know, and it's going to be different for every person, but let's just entertain a second possibility. Let's say you ask that question, what's the deepest personal motivator for your supervisor, and it's to feel like they're being seen and heard because now in a remote environment, they send emails, let's say, and they have no idea if people are receiving them because it's just radio silence. Oftentimes, people will say to me, when I start to ask that question of what is their personal motivator, I realize if I lead with that, I can give them that thing that perhaps I haven't been giving them, not consciously, but that affirmation or that simple response for an email, I've received it, I will respond within 24 hours. Then the rest of the conversation about what I need gets a whole lot easier because I started with that. So often we stuff everything we want to say until we're ready to explode. I know that I've been guilty of this and probably every person I've ever worked with has been guilty of this. So by the time we address it, it's really hard to think about centering the other person because we've spent so long not centering ourselves. But it really is an act of self-care to start from the other person because then we realize it's not about contorting ourselves into who we think we need to be. It's about being able to have the conversation that's going to actually serve us long-term because we're not making it all about us, but we're really making it about that other person. And to also be clear, what are the things that are non-negotiables for us? Like if you're in a toxic workplace culture, no amount of speaking up, if you are the only person speaking up, is going to fundamentally change that workplace culture. So there's that place of what do I need to do to settle my nervous system and to be in alignment with my values? And if I have opportunities to go somewhere else and do something different, I'm going to take advantage of those. 
Yeah, that's really interesting. I'm I'm finding the biggest thing um, with people that I'm interfacing with right now is time because um, I, I guess maybe because we're working remotely, like everyone's not as conscious about how much time people are putting in. And sometimes some people are on site and some people aren't on site. So I've noticed a lot of women feeling like they're being asked to put in time that they don't feel their time is should be put, and yeah. measured and compensated. Yeah, exactly. So like a lot of, so yeah. And so in that case, the, the person, their, their supervisor might have a certain set of things that they're wanting done, but the disconnect is that they're not understanding the time of the person that's below them. Is that what that is? And do they, so if it's, if they value their own time to be able to say, again, start from them, I know how important it is for you to be able to have time for things that are highest priority to make sure that they're done in an excellent way. And right now what's happening is I'm having to scatter the amount of time I have on so many projects. So can we talk about what is truly priority? Mm -hmm. And again, it depends what the context is. The other thing I see coming up a lot is so-and-so's leave left. One person is doing the work of two people, sometimes three people, and it's just unsustainable. And so if a leader values having a team that they're not constantly having to rehire and onboard, sometimes the conversation has to be, if we don't pick priority here, I might need to start to look for other opportunities because this isn't sustainable for me. And I, and then to take it away from us, to bring it back to them. And it's not sustainable for you. If the one person, me, who's become the workhorse leaves, where does that leave you? Right. Oh, I love that reframe and bring it back. Because a lot of, and this is what happens. I've seen it from a lot of my corporate clients that the team gets gutted to the last one or two people. And actually there's power in that because if those last one or two people go, you wind up having to start all over again. And that's the worst nightmare for a leader. So helping them understand things through the lens that's going to matter to them is always the place for being able to have our most impact. But I have to say, you know, where I see the most change in this work is ultimately working culturally and with teams. Because when we're the lone ranger speaking up, of course, we can use our voices to give other people permission to use theirs. But a lot of what I think the last two years has revealed is that if there are only one or two voices speaking up, change is going to be a lot slower and a lot yeah. harder to make happen. Then when there's this shared vocabulary from, if not everybody in a company, at least everybody on a team who's working on a project, because then everybody can refer back to the principles of vocal empowerment and say, I feel like our messaging was off here, or I could feel in the room a lot of bottled up sensation. Could other people feel that as well? And it becomes so much easier because everybody's holding themselves in a conversation that other people have the same messaging for much like when you were like, Lex, slow down. What is Roblox? Right? Like when we have shared vocabulary, when we see something, we can say something and everyone knows what we're talking about much more quickly. Yeah. Okay. So you just said something a minute ago, which I just want you to repeat or say however you're going to say it out this time, which is that um, putting somebody else's needs before your own or like, you know, understanding their needs is, is self-care. Yes. Is you taking care of yourself. Will you explain that one more time? Yes. Just so everyone and I know it's that. like we're both 
dipping our toes carefully because when you're mirroring back, I want to make sure everyone's hearing that it's not taking care, care of them, somebody's yes. needs at the detriment of your own. Right. It's understanding someone's needs so that the way that you make your persuasive cases, you ask for what you need is centering that so that we can fundamentally get our own needs met more sustainably over time. So I'll give a personal yeah. example. Well, I love that. That is just, it's just so, I just want to like pause yeah. and then I want you to give your personal example. Cause that's, I think that's so, so important. And when we're in like that fight mode, it's like the thing that we, we, we skip over really quickly. Um, and we make it harder. We make it so much harder for ourselves. So I love that. Okay. But now I'll give you an example. So our home is pretty flipped. And what I mean by that is my husband left his career to join the business he carries the lion's share of the domestic responsibilities in the home. And so for a while, I had a certain entitlement to like, I'm not going to do a lot of the domestic work around the house. He cooks most of the meals. He does most of the cleaning. And I just noticed, because if you know, Stephen, he's an incredible human being, but he's a stuffer for sure. Like, he will not say things to cause conflict for the most mm. part. And so I remember asking him, like, I feel like you're really bitter one day. Like, it had kind of come to a head about kind of your role in the home. He's like, I'm actually not bitter about all of it. It just feels like it would be great if you could contribute in some ways mm. to the family caretaking part around all the domestic stuff. And it would actually allow me to take on a little bit more of the work that is still landing on your plate in the business, because I feel like I'm spending all of my day thinking about what are the meals and taking all of the time when our daughter might get 30 minutes of TV to like do all the dishes. And it was like, cool. I'm actually really happy to do dishes. Um, but you cooking is really helpful because I usually have clients at the end of the day. And like, it changed everything of him framing it as like, you know, one of the things has been, you haven't been able to pass off as much in the business as you would have liked. And a piece of that is because I'm doing like everything at home. Can we find that middle way? And I think for a lot of us, it's not waiting until the, the emotion that is winning is anger. And I really felt like he led with one of the things you're really wanting is more shared partnership in the business. And for me to get there, this is what I need. And then it was like so easy versus if the shoe were on the other foot, I would have likely been really pissy and passive aggressive and been like, I don't know what I would have said, but it wouldn't have been nice. And I might've been entitled to say that just like he would have been entitled to have said something much more aggressive. But for him to actually get what he wanted, the conversation went a whole lot better by centering my needs, even though in the end, it was very much a conversation about him. I love that. All right. Tell everyone how to find you. I live in Las Vegas. My address is, no, I'm kidding. (laughs) I love that you live in Las Vegas, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) So for those who are listening and want to just learn more about speak up culture, whether that's how to be able to create presentations where you speak up in your business, because I do a lot of that work. 
you realize that as a coach or consultant, you're helping people find their voice in their health, in their business, in their sex lives, whatever it is, and you'd like more tools around that, come to stepintoyourmoxie.com. We've got a cool opt-in just on the main home page that's about how to be able to have more impact and persuasive conversations, words and phrases to be able to work in. So you can grab that cheat sheet there. And for anyone who's curious about certification, which is our core program at this point, training coaches, consultants, trainers, and business leaders in this speak up work to be able to use it with their employees or their clients and get more information over there as well. Amazing. Oh, I feel like the other thing we never dived into health, which I was super curious about, but I think it's the same thing, right? Like you, I have so much to say about this too. I Um, I know, I know coming up on my one year cancer anniversary. And I'll just say real quickly, one of the hardest areas for me to ever speak up in was my healthcare Mm -hmm. that to make a last minute decision to say, I'm not going to go through with the surgeon and the specific surgery, because it feels like it's more surgery than I need was really hard because it didn't just feel like I'm changing the game plan for myself. I had a lot of family members who were like, this is cancer. Why would you not do the more aggressive surgery to make sure there's not an occurrence? Um, but it was one of the most impactful things to really look at research and facts. So not just saying like, I'm going to discount all that, but for the type of cancer I had and the, how unlikely it was to reoccur, but also knowing if it did, I was comfortable repeating the surgery, like on the other side of the thyroid, but doing this work. And I think that a lot of times, especially right now where everything around health is politicized, everything, in my opinion, no matter how you see a particular issue, being able to really watch our triggers, to look at validated science in tandem with our bodies, and then to be able to speak up in a way that... um, can be heard by others rather than coming from the trigger. I know it's super cliche, but to come from ideally the scar rather than like the open, bloody, nasty wound. Yes. There were people who didn't agree with my decision, but in the end, everybody respected it. And I'm really glad that I used these principles that we're talking about to make I mean, I didn't have to convince anyone of anything. Like ultimately it was my body, my rules, but to at least feel heard and validated and supported yes. is really huge. Well, and in, in that case, it's almost like the, and one of the reasons I wanted to bring that up is because in a lot of the examples we've used, we're sort of reading the other person in terms of like where they are in that case, you're kind of like reading, you have to sort of read the healthcare system, right? Like, so you're, you're responding to the healthcare system instead of to the one individual doctor who might be looking at you almost. It's like, you kind of have to meet them where they exist within that, which might not be where you are. So, and I have so really interesting for healthcare providers right now. Like it is a hard yeah. time. And during the midst of this, like I was wearing face masks and face shields. And so was the provider, like to read intuitive, like <laughs> forget about right. it. Yeah. Like impossible. And so, you know, I feel so much more compassion and empathy for people who were pushing me in one way, who didn't know me and had less time with me than they'd ever had before because, yeah. of, you know, the backlog of people who they hadn't seen 
But given that, I'm still an expert on a lot of parts of my body and my trauma that are never going to come up in that exchange. And so being able to know that I have knowing here that may not be just medical, but that matters in the conversation is really important as somebody who's put a lot of faith in both Eastern and Western practitioners and recognizing that in the end, I have to create a new story that really empowers my own voice and my healing. Yeah. And you get yourself. And, and integrate both. Like it was not yeah. a screw cancer. I'm going to like spiritually bypass it, but nor was it, you know, I want a ton of surgery around yeah. my throat that I may not need. It's like finding that pathway that feels like it is that fusion between science and self-care and self-empowerment. Yeah. And getting to the place yourself, which it feels like it's the common thread through everything we've talked about. And then we're going to end this conversation. Yeah. I didn't mean to go into this question, but, but that, that, um, that thread is really about fear, right? Like you can get yourself to a place, like you can read yourself of where you're not scared because you're confident about how you're bringing together Eastern and Western, like you can get to the, you can get out of feet, you know, you're getting yourself out of fear before you have conversation with clients or a boss or a spouse or a kid. And only like we can do that. So it's, it's, I love this. I love this whole way of thinking about it because it's really empowering, which I guess leads to us speaking up. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much for holding space for this conversation. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for being here. At the end of every episode, I always share three doable changes because I believe that real change happens after some action. But the thing is, is that a lot of times we think that because we are wanting what feels like a big change in our lives, that the action also has to be big. And I have noticed over and over and over again, working with hundreds of women, that the changes actually do a lot better when they're small and when you can really focus on them and lean into them and let them build over time and become sustainable because when things aren't sustainable for us, we just abandon them. So at the end of every episode, I always choose three doable changes, not so that you take all three of them and go with all of them, but so that you choose one and you really make it part of your life for a week and you see if it works for you, you see how it works for you. And then when that one is integrated into your life, you move on to the next one and you will create over the course of a year or two or three, imagine how many amazing things you'll be able to mix into your life. So great. Okay. So here is doable change. Number one from this episode, notice constriction. When you feel yourself struggle to speak up, try to notice where in your body you feel it. Is it your knees, your thighs, your belly, your throat? That's where I feel it. Just start by noticing and then see if you can release that constricting feeling just through breathing. If you're walk off and by yourself, like if you're not in front of anybody, you can pause and literally just spend five minutes in quiet meditation. But sometimes a deep breath will just help you move that constriction and then maybe speak up. All right. But the first, this doable change is just about noticing. Okay, you're not trying to make yourself speak up. 
You're not trying to do anything. You're just noticing that when you don't speak up, how that feels in your body. Okay. Doable change number two from this episode is practice what you want to say. When we are passionate about something, we think we'll be able to just riff off the top of our heads and say all the important things that will move the person we're talking to or the people we're talking to into action. But without practice, we often miss the mark. You don't have to write out and memorize a whole speech. That's not what we're talking about. That's not what Lex is talking about. But think through what you want to say and really practice saying it. You can look into a mirror. You can practice with someone else. You can just say it out loud while you're driving in the car, but practice, practice what it looks like to say those things. All right. And when you're practicing, that brings me to doable change. Number three, center the other person. That is doable change. Number three. And this has been such a powerful one for me to practice. I have to say, so think about what you want from the conversation, meaning what change do you want? What do you want the other person to do? And then ask yourself, what do they need? What is their motivator? And how can I lead with that? How can I meet them with where they are instead of where I am? You all, it sounds like you're going to be a martyr for the rest of your life, but hopefully you listen to Lex in my conversation, and that is not what this is about, and I promise you, it is so effective, and it's also strangely empowering. All right, so again, those three doable changes. Spend a week noticing constriction, spend a week practicing what you want to say, or spend a week centering the other person. And if more than one of these is appealing, go put those in as a reminder right now on the following two Sundays so that you can remember that you want to do them in future weeks. And I will see you on the next episode of the Plan Simple Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you know a woman who wants a little more simple and a lot more flow, share this episode and send them over to the Plan Simple website to download our free course. And if you can find a five minute window today between meetings in the carpool line while you're eating your lunch, head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. This one action plays such a big part in helping other women find us. And I have so much gratitude for you in advance. So thank you so much. Until next week, dream big, plan from your heart and have a great day.